Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. Well, I guess that means that there's work to be done. And no, I don't mean Dave G, myself, Owen uh, on the game. No, 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 no. I mean K State needing to get some work done to still meet that. Uh, one and one on the road that we happened to pick yesterday. Ooh, they uh, they looked like last they night. sure had it done last night. They were going to get that one last night, and then yeah, uh, wah wah wee wah. In my old job, I used to joke that, and it's why I will not be sitting down trying to watch. Northern Colorado play at Eastern Washington tonight. I used to joke that Cheney Washington was where uh, bad officiate or where good officiating went to die <laughs> and become Ames, Iowa is a close second to Ad- Allen Fieldhouse at this point. Oh my God. That was brutal that was last awful. night. That was awful. That was brutal last night uh, in how things played out. But that's not, let's be perfectly honest, that's not entirely the reason why. K-State suffered the loss as the Cats got off to a bad start and found themselves having to dig out of a hole the entirety of the night. Never a good spot to be when you're in Ames. No, no. But uh, the the calls and the lack of a call Ooh. was uh, was brutal. Mitch Fortner still with us from McPherson after calling the Manhattan High Girls Contest just a few minutes ago. And Mitch, I I think the thing that stands out to me the most about the way that this played out last evening was that uh, Coach Jerome Tang was dead on when he said his team could not put themselves down early, and they did exactly that. I mean, you start with Cam Carter getting two fouls right away in the first, what, 36 seconds of the game. So what happens now, and Jerome Tang has been you know, very vocal about this. He never wants to foul out a player in the first half when they pick up two fouls. But this was a special circumstance because Cam picked up two fouls in 36 seconds. So you're like, when do I bring this kid back into the game? But with Cam Carter out for a very extended period of time, now you're take, you don't have your best player on the floor, not just your best player, your best defender. And we know how tough Iowa State is as a defensive group. And I, I thought there for a while, like the whistles, the way the game was being called, it was a little bit too touch foully. Mm-hmm. But if it's that kind of game, that actually plays in favor of K-State who isn't the most aggressive team on defense, but they're still pretty good. 
uh, Iowa State is is a very aggressive defense, and they're, they're like a Bob Huggins defense, like the Press Virginia defense. Like they'll just foul you until the referees start calling the fouls. If the referees aren't calling the fouls, they're going to keep fouling you. Yeah, they're going to foul you every time. Um, but Cam Carter's exit early—I mean, that really hurt. And I mean, early on, you have Iowa State hitting threes. And they're hitting an above-average clip for Big 12 play, and they finished 33%, 7 of 21, which is actually tied for their best so far in Big 12 play. So of they course. haven't been as good from three. <laughs> yeah, they haven't been as good from three as they were in the regular season. We've seen actually a lot of that from Big 12 teams early on that have actually been really hot from three, and a great example of that is Baylor. If you want to just talk specifically first half when K-State fell behind, you can, you can of course, blame a lot of things. I truly thought the only true difference was the three-point shooting, where K-State in the first half was one of eight. Iowa State finished the first half from three-point range, five of 14. The the difference there, I thought, was just the true difference. And then K-State has Cam Carter back in the second half, and guess what? Right out of the gate, they hit three threes before the first timeout. It is amazing how streaky this team can be and put themselves back into position to challenge in a contest after falling behind like that unfortunately it just never seems to stay as a steady string offensively through the course of a ball game yeah they just really couldn't get in a rhythm yeah in that first half um and i don't have like a box score in front of me but i i i'm pretty sure the the, the turnovers started to add up in that first half and then they did a much better job in the second half and guess what k-state has now found themselves of an average of 17 turnovers a game Mm. in the last four games of big 12 play with 17 more turnovers last night but i mean i that is that's a poor number you do not want to see that number but i will say what we've seen from the opponents in two of the last three games is a high amount of turnovers as well so maybe you kind of cancel that out but you still want your team for you know cough it up 17 turnovers a game but i mean you know k-state did i guess a decent job of staying in it but what they really needed was cam carter back on the floor because that's their best defender uh too many open shooters too many open shooters from iowa state uh in that first half that, that allowed him to build a lead I, I i i'm just i'm gonna stick with that talking point not having cam carter on the floor after yeah. the first 36 seconds really just threw things out of whack then there is the end of the night. Oh God! <laughs> exactly. You're right. Exactly. Yeah. It's 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 as best of a summation as you can give because the entirety of that last five minutes of the game was just crazy in how it played out, right down to the conversation in post game between the two head coaches being as lengthy as it was. I. Okay, so K-State's lost five games now, and I, I can't speak for you guys, but I'm a much better person of like, oh, God, we lost the game. It's the ref's fault. You know, just blame the blame the loss on bad officiating and all that. I, I don't think we've really brought up bad officiating in the four previous losses for no. K-State. I mean, K-State just kind of got in a shootout in a couple of those losses, USC and Miami. It was just, I mean, those opposing teams were just – scoring a crazy amount of points um the brassy game you just got embarrassed really um and then you know texas tech you should have won that game that's a game you gave up in the final four minutes when you're up seven points or something like that and you blow it in the last four minutes not one of those games you think an official say they screwed you 
Um, I thought last night was an embarrassment of officiating, and I will. And I, and, you know, in Iowa State, you know, they had some things to be upset with about as well. I, Jerome Tang's anger in that second half. Do not blame him one bit. No, there are so many phantom fouls. There are so many touch fouls, and I saw this. I didn't. I see a whole lot of conversation about it on social media. I, there are multiple times where loose balls going after the rebound, and K State maybe had an edge to get to the ball. And they're just being dragged. Their arms are being dragged on, being pulled back. And I'm like, where are those whistles? It, it got to a point where it just seemed like. It wasn't like straight down the middle officiating. It was also just, all right, we're going to call this tight. Now we're going to call it loose. Back to tight. It, we can't figure out how we wanted to call this game. It was so maddening. And I'm sure it got to the point. And Jerry, I, I'm going to get to Jerry Pollard here in just a second. You, get, you might have to cut me off. I'm going to keep going until you know, the end of the show on this officiating. Because I had so many problems with it, obviously, and so did every other K-State fan. And it got to the point where Jerome Tang got called for a technical after the under-four timeout. Um, and, I, and I can get to that here in just a second. Plus, of course, Jerome Tang was very fired up about something was going on behind the mm-hmm. bench. And I know I, there are so many rumors about that, and I'm, I'm not really going to get into it because it's just rumors, but I, you know, I'm just going to leave it there. And Jerome Tang did not want to comment on that. But the the elbow to Dorian Finister, um, and I, now I'm blanking on who the player was for Iowa State that threw the elbow, Um but it was pretty blatant. Right. But what is Jerry Pollard doing when that takes place? He turns to the crowd and has an interaction with the crowd while the game is taking place. Now, let me just say this. To me, with Jerry Pollard, I think this is par for the course to miss something like that because he's interacting with the people because he does that stuff all the time. I have a good example of this. And it goes back to the pandemic season when they flipped the scores table to the far side of the floor. When I say far side, you know, opposite of the of the TV camera, opposite of the of the benches. And they had us at the scores table, masked. Actually, we're double masked, so we're, we're wearing the mask over our faces, and then we're wearing like a plastic shield right over our face. Um. So the I, I can't remember what game it was, but but Pollard was there in Bramage. The game is back underway. Ball's coming up the floor. Pollard had like a ball of tape in his hand. And while the ball's being dribbled up the floor, he turns at me and like takes the ball of tape and like pump fakes me like 10 times like he's going to shoot the ball of tape into my mask. Meanwhile, the game is going on. Uh, now, go ahead. Uh, no, I, I've never heard of such a thing. I mean, that that's just beyond the pale with officials that that's not no not when the game's going on i he i've seen this from officials as well like if it's during a timeout like officials like will interact with the crowd a little bit either from heckling or if these officials are getting heckled maybe they'll turn to the crowd and say something funny and i've also seen pollard do this thing where like okay he has the ball it's a media timeout he'll go to a crowd a, a kid that's like sitting front row and let him hold the game ball while the game's at a timeout. And mm-hmm. I, I really like that kind of interaction. I think it's actually healthy um, for officials to have that, like, you know, very 
healthy, friendly interaction with the crowd during dead balls that are sitting front row. I, I think that's fun. Well, it's during the pace of play and you're distracted by the crowd. Uh, and that's absolutely unacceptable. And Kelly Self is not off the hook anyway. I thought he was the one that was blowing the whistles on just phantom no-touch foul. I mean, nobody's being even touched. Tyler Perry was called for one. David Gasson, I think, was called for a couple. Uh, it was just... And I didn't blame Jerome Tang for that technical foul one bit. No, I, and- I understood his anger, and and I'll end it with this. You're trying to let you, and I'll let you say what you want to say here, but, um, well, now I'm actually blank. Well, no, I, with just such the frustration from the referees and what they were calling, I guarantee you, when they would go talk to him about what to, they're they're feeding him the biggest amount of BS. He he was getting fed just the most incorrect information and was certainly not getting the answers he was looking for. So start to finish, from the play on the floor to the referees. And, you know, K-State had their shot. They also had their shot to take the lead five times, and they didn't get it done. So the blame's also on them. Rough night. We'll move on, hopefully, after today. Yeah, ugly night for the Cats. We'll talk more about it after a quick break. More of the game. Mitch is in McPherson, DG, myself, Owen with you in Manhattan as we continue next. An old friend alert when we get into our number two. Yeah, I know most people probably, or at least a number of them have an idea who I mean already, but the carousel continues in the NFL today. It's been a busy day. It has. It really has. Um, I, I saw that the uh, Panthers are close on the, uh, on the uh, Bucks. Yeah, they, they closed yeah. in this morning. Wow. They him, so there's more, two spots left, and Bill Belichick still doesn't have a job. So getting getting dicey. Uh, dicey, dicey. Got to love it. Oh, anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> won't have to hear. We're on to, anyway, anymore, no, you know. We're on to no. Cleveland. We're on to, you're on to uh, retirement. <clears throat> anyway. Somebody say, <laughs> He needs to get ready to read that gambling disclaimer for his podcast. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Can you imagine him doing a show like that? That would be funny. I think him and Randy Moss. If, oh. if, he, if he was able to open up. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I think he would be one of the more unintentionally funny people that he'd ever meet. And he's got stories. Oh, yeah. You coached LT. You got stories. You got stories. Yeah, it's a valid point. There are there are definitely plenty of stories in the Belichick files. The point is, who gets to drag those out? Mm-hmm. Who's going? Who would be the co-host that he would go for on a podcast that could drag those out? It would be very interesting. I mean, Randy Moss would be up there for me. I would. I was just thinking, Randy Moss or Gronk. What if you got Rex Ryan? <laughs> and build oh. Belichick together <laughs> to do a show. Again, I go back to the intersection comments discussion of a couple of weeks back. Him and Pete Carroll would be awesome. The intersections be between awesome. their positions with the Jets and the Patriots and and all of that. That would be awesome. And then you would get that mix of 
conspiracy theories thrown in there too. <laughs> I, I like. I'd listen. I'd they both listen. don't have jobs right now. Oh, that awesome. would be tremendous. But you have the two of them arguing over conspiracy theories. That would be. Oh. That would be great radio I'm right there. Anyway, it would. oh I'm my god. <laughs> Dan Patrick stealing the idea as we speak. Yes. <laughs> I do, by the way, have his uh, first guest if he does get into the gambling side of it. One of his former players. That's true. Ex-LSU wideout Kayshawn Butte. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did you see this note today? Yeah. So that many bets in one year, That's your, that was a job, dude. 9,000 wagers within a year. I thought it was over two. I thought it was 2022 uh, in 2023, I thought. Uh, on, oh, all the time, oh, all time, nine thousand bets. That's a lot of bets. That's insane. That's yeah, a lot of deposited. Bets. I think was one hundred thirty thousand. Only withdrew fifty at the end. Oh. So you lost oh. eighty, and you're getting popped. Oh yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. He's like, isn't it bad enough? No, people know I'm a terrible gambler. <laughs> Man, I'm just gonna keep laying those dimes down. <laughs> it's a heck of a better way to live life. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Hour two of the game will include comments from Jeff Mitty as his team readies to take on BYU this weekend. Troy, Dave G, Owen, all with you as the game continues on a Thursday afternoon. Shortened version, Mitch Fortner still standing by in McPherson as well as the Manhattan High girls basketball team falls this afternoon in the opener of the Mid-America Classic at Mac as the Indians suffer that loss to Shawnee Mission East means they'll play a 3 o'clock game again tomorrow afternoon. 2.45 will begin the coverage Part of a double dip we'll have for you tomorrow. I'll be over to Blue Valley and uh, call the boys game tomorrow evening. A 6 o'clock tip for the Indians as they look to get back going after tournament play out at Dodge City last weekend. Speaking of continuing action, well, the Cats stayed out on the road after last night. So a Des Moines to Houston leg of the trip is complete in that they are in Houston getting themselves ready for Saturday's matchup, which will be an early one. 11 a.m. tip-off on Saturday morning for the Cats and the Cougars for the first time as Big 12 mates. Ouch. Yeah, it doesn't get any easier. I mean, yeah, I realize that's cliche, but it doesn't get any easier. You're taking on the number four team in the country on Saturday morning Mm -hmm. after what occurred last night in Ames. And... For all of the discussion about K-State being able to fight back and get themselves back into position, much as they did at Texas Tech, they did it last night in Ames, I don't know that Houston's the team they want to put themselves in that position against. That's a tough match. Can you imagine that challenge? No, no. No, and you also have to make sure that you don't get beat twice here, right? I mean, that's a very easy spot to fall into. That is exactly where I was headed with this. You know, there's no time to lick the wounds. There is no time to sit and think about what might have been last night. There is absolutely no time. And and this conference is built this way. Mm -hmm. This is the stretch now for the Wildcats where 
you know, we talked about going four and one to open. Okay. There's a reason why we talked about four and one to open in conference play. Because everybody recognized that then this next stretch of the schedule is where things really begin to test this team. I want to get Mitch's thoughts on this. One of the things you brought up last hour is that the last four games have seen the Cats now turning the ball over on average 17 times. This continues to me to feel like a team that is really having to search to find that point guard. While they want Tyler Perry playing point sometimes, it wasn't intended to be this way. And the loss of Quest Glover, I think, hurts this team much more than what we thought it might. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I think there's a number of these turnovers that are just kind of like silly, lazy, not making the right choice type of turnovers, maybe forcing some things once in a while. I, don't, I, I, I feel like the offense at times gets a little bit too, you know, too slowed down. Yeah, and then you get caught in a rough, especially against a team like Iowa State, and it's where they're just going to be like a magnet to you the entire game. That I mean, you got to kind of force some things if guys aren't moving. So I don't definitely there's something there, obviously with you know, and I'm glad Dana Yames is back and, and healthier, and he's getting more minutes because he is a point guard. Um, got a couple of buckets last night, which by the way, I, and I know deal. I didn't think it was really that big of a deal. I I do want to see more scoring out of the bench. Want there to be more of a threat to score from the bench and they were better last night for sure and Dana Ames was you know a part of that with Dorian Finister and, and Jarrell Colbert and RJ Jones and um yeah I think it, it does hurt a little bit and we were really looking forward to seeing Quez Glover come back really take some of the um you know the workload off of Tyler Perry as a point guard a guy that's running the offense and then maybe he could just be more of a two guard and get ready to catch and shoot um yeah I, I think that is a little bit of a part of just Tyler Perry not having the comfort zone, I guess. But at the same time, I mean, you know, I, last night, crunch time, couple of tries at open threes, and he bricked them both. I, you know, yeah. I, I don't want to blame – I really don't want to blame Tyler Perry's just three-point shooting not being there this year on him, just not being able to – him having to play too much point guard. I, I just don't really see that as being the issue. It's just – he just doesn't have the stroke that he did the last couple of years. I, I don't think there's really more ways to explain it other than he just doesn't have it this year. Uh, I think part of it as well is that he's finding that it is much tougher to face Big 12 defenses and Power 5 defenses than it is to face the teams in the American or in Conference USA. Oh, We've seen, though, early on in the season, I mean, Tyler Perry did have some very good three-point shooting. It was some bigger numbers for sure he was making more than one or two a game um you know really ever since the first four or five games of the year they've been lucky to see tyler perry hit more than a couple of threes and uh but it's just you know i'm to the point where i'm just expecting now that you know it'll be a big day if tyler perry can hit more than a couple of threes um no he is not the north texas you know um you know, Conference USA Player of the Year three-point type of shooter at, at 41%. Um, I, I wish I had the answers, and I'm sure Jerome Tang had the answers as to why TP just isn't hitting the shots like he was. I, You know, was 
him say, Tang saying that he's the best shooter in America like a kiss of death, I don't know. You know, I'm not a big believer in jinxes or anything like that. I thought it was a little bit, you know, kind of going forward there on, on saying something like that. But he's a believer in saying those kind of things to his to his players to maybe inspire them a little bit or, you know, maybe a little pressure on them. I don't know. It's just, you know, Tyler Perry, I, I will say as a point guarder with his passing, I mean, his his assist numbers are really good. They are really good. Um, but just right now not having a shot to back it up. And when you replace TP with a guy like Marquise Noel, you're, you're missing a lot of things that Marquise didn't have, and Marquise was even a smaller player. Um, I, I Really, to me, I think the big issue is he can't get around somebody. Mm-hmm. Three-point shooting is one thing, but as trying to be that a guard, that guard can that can also attack, I think that's been the bigger issue of him. He, he can't really get around anybody, especially in a, in a five-out offense where you play one-on-one and you play mismatches, and unfortunately, TP's just struggling to get around guys, and we've seen that from a number of guys as well, so... Um, I'm glad Arthur Kloom has been shooting hot lately. Right. Let me note this, because you brought up the the five-out offense and where this team has struggled offensively through the course of this season. In many ways, between shifting the offense, having the Naquan Tomlin situation happen, having the loss of Quest Glover develop, All of those things have added up to change the face of what this season and what the expectation was for this team. And it has wound up being uh, a year where you almost feel like that you're a bit snake bit if you are Jerome Tang and staff. That everything that you made plans for, and this time with the opportunity to make plans, as opposed to year one. But unfortunately, those plans haven't, been able to work for you because none of them have gone right yet. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt this game, this season has not gone according to plan when it comes to some personal. Hey, we got Sandstorm at the roundhouse, guys. Sandstorm, look out. Uh, I'm not seeing any cell phone lights on. Um, but look out. Uh, Cat's about to have a big second half here. Um, okay, where was I? Uh, remind me where snake I, I was bit. talking about. We were snake bit. Oh. Well, okay, so, I mean, five-out offense, nobody – that was, was going to definitely benefit Naquan Tomlin more than anybody else just because of his raw ISO one-on-one athleticism. And I remember watching him in the NCAA tournament really show off that athleticism, ISO one-on-one against uh, Montana State. That was really awesome. I mean, that's kind of a go-to uh, in that game to just give the ball to Naquan and let him do his thing. But there were so many guys he could take on with his speed, his length, his footwork. Um you know, I I still think with with the five out offense, I think it kind of has exposed Casey in a way about how there's just a, you know some guys struggle with getting around guys one on one, and Tyler Perry, um, you know, certainly is a top example of that. But at the same time, you know, all season long, this team has found ways to win. Right. Um, without reinventing the wheel, without changing up what they've worked on all this season. Um, and they've been getting open shots. They've been getting open three-pointers. Really just what needs to happen is they need to start hitting more of those shots and not miss those bunnies. They, you know, a few more shots go in, and this is a different This is a different Big 12 slate. 
K-State with a couple of more shots. They're probably undefeated in Big 12 play right now. They, they, the emotions of the game got the best of them in Ames, um, the officiating, whatever, but they still had a shot to go win the game. It just didn't happen. Uh, it had so many chances to take the lead. It didn't happen. I'm, I'm really no longer on the case that maybe the, the five out wasn't the best for this offense, for this team, and maybe still it isn't, but I think, I think down the road. Down the road, we're going to look back at this adjustment and think, okay, maybe this was the right thing to do because we're going to see, hopefully, down, and it hasn't so far, but I think it will. I hope it does down the road of we're going to see the uptick in recruiting because this is going to be a more appealing approach to some guys that are bigger players and be like, hey, they play this in the NBA, drum tang's all about it. That's going to be another piece of the puzzle of, of better recruiting. So hopefully that will uh, take place. But, but again, I, this is early. Right. K-State's 4-2 and two in Big 12 play. They're tied for second. I'm definitely not going to write this team off because of a couple of losses in Big 12 play, the number of turnovers that they face. It's not like they haven't been in these games to go win them that they've lost in Big 12 play. So my my question to you is, is this team just a, a rotation away, right? If it's not Tyler Perry, if it's is there another athlete like a Naquan Tomlin that could get the same result? Is there a guy there, and if so, who is it? And it does that? Do you think that fixes the problem? Does it just put a band aid on it, or what do you think? Well, there is not another Naquan Tomlin on this. Sure, team. there is not another NBA caliber player on this team. I. I I, I still want guys to step up off the bench, and we've seen certainly flashes. I've loved the defense. Well, and I, you know, Drew Colbert had like a real rough stretch there, but then things kind of got better, got looks at the rim. He was open, and, and he was grabbing some rebounds. You're getting shots from Day-Day Ames and, and R.J. Jones to fall. I, I, I still want more scoring contribution from the bench because you're going to need some of those guys to hit some shots once in a while maybe take the load off a little bit from your starting five. I'm liking the quality minutes from this bench, but you don't have another NBA type of player like Naquan Tomlin. So, I mean, without him all season long, you haven't had his talent. But, again, it's this, this is the same team we've had all year long. Mm-hmm. Um, Cam Carter, though, I you know, Cam Carter, we saw it last night. The difference of the team when he's on the floor compared to when he's not for an extended period of time. The quality of defense drops mm-hmm. when Cam Carter is not on the floor. And I thought I thought it affected David Gasson. David Gasson is a great defender. But even without Cam out there, he just wasn't as strong on the defensive side. So, yeah, I, it was that, sh- that's about where I have to leave. It was shocking to me that um, when Cam got in, tr- when in foul trouble, he leaves and it really deflated the entire team. It really affected both ends of the floor. And, you know, it's it's so funny that you said that you don't think Tyler Perry having to play point guard, um, you don't want to put that on, like, why he's struggling. I came away from last night thinking the exact opposite. I do think he looks a bit like a fish out of water trying to play the, the traditional point guard position instead of being that kind of weird hybrid two that he got to do. Um, I that's what I, I think it's all about rhythm for him and he's way out of rhythm and I, I don't blame him for that. 
when when you put someone playing point guard and they're not used to being the number one guy in that position a lot of times it's the thought process they begin to overthink part of what made Marquise Noel so good last year was that he had that agreement that that worked out with Jerome Tang that he was going to play his way his flow Mm -hmm. Tang didn't want him thinking too much and I wonder how much of that is Tyler Perry putting that thought process on himself and so it's not a fluid thing for him. Right. That, that's why I say it's a concern to me. And it's like you take a guy that doesn't, hasn't played that position, you pluck him and throw him in the toughest basketball yeah. conference in the nation, and you go, don't think about it. You know, and it, I know he knows he has a green light to do his thing, but it's just the, the flow isn't there for him mentally and physically, and it's – it stinks. It it's, feels like a lot of all of it. Like mm-hmm. you're dropping him into a tougher conference in a role he's not used to. You you talk up the shooting aspect, but you also need to run the offense. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot on his mind. Even if one thing's not pulling here or there, when you got 20 things sitting there, absolutely, it's hard to be the clear-minded, confident player that you know you can. Absolutely. Let me offer one more addendum to this discussion. And Mitch brought up the five out and how in the long term we are going to look at this as a positive this points up that everything that occurs is still a learning process even for this coaching staff yeah and you have to take years like this when you are a young staff and that's what this staff is even for all of the experience that it has had in the past this is still a young staff it's year two it's really year one and a half in some ways. And so it it brings in, yeah, there's only so much that you can do with knowledge from the past because each team is different, but you learn from a year like this, even if you do go nine and nine and make the NCAA tournament and all of those things, there's still that learning process. You take those building blocks and you advance. Right. And that's where we hope that this is going to go. Please. <laughs> <laughs> Mitch, I think we'll uh, let you go and uh, dig into some comments from Jeff Mitty when we continue. Sounds good. Have a good meal somewhere tonight. I haven't picked it out yet, but I'll let you know. Okay, sounds good. Mitch will be on the call again tomorrow afternoon in McPherson, Manhattan High Girls to be in action uh, against uh, either Andover Central or, and I'm thinking it through, I think it's Olathe East, if I remember my bracket correctly. Thank you. Okay, of course. (laughs) (sighs) Anyway, two weeks worth of brackets. I mean, come on. Uh, That said, uh, 2.45 coverage tomorrow afternoon. It'll be a three o'clock tip in McPherson for the Manhattan High Girls. When we come back, we turn our attention to K-State women's basketball. They get ready for a matchup with BYU Saturday afternoon at Bramlage. We hear from the head coach next on the game. The game continues on News Radio KMAN. Owen oh, digging out the wrestling tracks. Yeah, I know. I meant to fit that in before Mitch left, but uh, <laughs> didn't time it up right. How is it? How is it? I recognize that. 
I mean, that was what, okay, name name for me what that was in terms of song. I just recognized that it was one of the wrestling yeah, themes. Yeah, uh, that was the real American. That's Hulk Hogan's old <gasps> It is Hogan's, song. okay. Yeah. That's, that's how famous Hulk Hogan was yeah. slash is. That's a great Troy does not mess with wrestling. I would, Troy does not care. I would go on a limb and say he, he despises it. No, despises. I, I do not despise <laughs> wrestling. I do not despise wrestling. I just happened to, and I know that this is going to come off wrong as I say it. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> I outgrew it. Ah, That's fair. Uh-huh. I've gotten there in a couple times. Like Until AEW came back around, I was the same way. Like mm-hmm. WWE just wasn't super entertaining to me, and then... AEW comes around, it's more in-ring focused, and now I'm like, oh, I love this again. This is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So. When, once I got to school here, uh, I did not pay much attention to wrestling from then on. Well, also, you start to, I mean, life happens. You get busier, and, you know, you got to right. pick certain things that you're going to be super interested in, and you don't have time for everything, and I can see that being a thing that gets cut. It makes sense to me. But, of course... Of course, I should have known that that was Real American by Hulk Hogan. I should have known with Hulk Hogan, I should have said. With the bad air guitar and, yeah. oh. Yeah. I like it when it gets kind of sad, like quiet. And like It's just the voice. I am a real. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and then it's like, kind of like he's down bad. And then he comes back up and it's he beats. Up. Yeah, he hulks up. And yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I want more of that. Instead of what we got going on now, it's too like realistic. Do, do, do you think he gets out of bed like that every morning? Yes. To that song, I'm sure that there are certain days. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. I feel like he doesn't want to, but there's certain days where his tailbone's hurting a little more than uh-huh. usual. He's gotta... Somebody cranks that, and he's like, "All right." Yeah. I was crushed as a kid when the whole WWF uh, steroid scandal came oh, out. Yeah. Man, I man, I was. I was blind. Meanwhile, Major League Baseball just sits there and goes, huh, hold my beer. (laughs) Which is so funny that that happens at the same time. I know. Because one, uh, just the one, you know, I don't want to get into the discussion. It's weird that the sport was like, (laughs) who cares? Yeah, right. (laughs) Hey, man, did you see those ratings? Yeah. (laughs) Did you see that? Look at the number of butts in the seats, man. That's perfect. Look how many baseballs just landed in. Yeah. Cove we, hey, we there. had a strike and it, bur- it almost buried the game. Uh, what do we do, boys? <laughs> Let it rip. Fuel up. Here we go. <laughs> Speaking of butts in seats, oh, it's sounding like it's going to be a well-attended game coming up on Saturday afternoon when the K-State women play host to BYU. The Cats at number four going into the matchup after their victory the other evening, clawing one out at Baylor. Jeff Mitty talked with the media earlier in the week. What was it like uh, watching your team fall behind by 13 at Baylor, um, have one of its uh, tougher defensive halves, and then turn it around in the second and get that win on the road? Yeah, um, you never want to fall behind. Um, And uh, what was disappointing for me was that we were behind everything that they were doing. Defensively, we were a step behind, and that was more between the ears than physical. Um, so that was disappointing that uh, um, that they were playing at a, a quicker pace than us. Um, I think the switch to zone got them standing around. It got us keeping the ball in front better than we were. Um, and then to watch our resiliency to just kind of hang in there and, 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 and 
keep getting closer and closer. And uh, you know, you got to get over the hurdle in a game like that. You've got to make plays to get over the hurdle because everybody knows you. You see so many games where teams make a comeback, but they don't get over that next hurdle. And uh, we made plays to get over over the hump. What can you say about Eliza? <laughs> well, I, I thought Eliza was. Um, yeah, fantastic. Uh, all the things that we're wanting her to do, which is be more active cutting, rebound the basketball, um, use her athleticism defensively, she did. And uh, it started with effort, effort, effort. And that has been something that I think at times Eliza has gotten uh, paralyzed in her effort mm-hmm. by thinking too much. And hopefully we've unlocked some of that. Can you take me back to when you first saw her and in- kind of the recruiting process? You know, it was during the pandemic, so we had seen her, but we had seen her on film as well. So we hadn't seen her a lot as a player. We had seen her some, but not a lot. So that was an interesting recruiting process because she did not even visit campus until after she had already committed. So loved uh, the way she moved effortlessly, loved her instincts. Um, That's the one thing that I think that... um, in recruiting a player like her, you want to see, do they have instinctual movements? And, and she had them. Now, right now, her effort, she has a tendency to overthink. And I think that paralyzes her some. So the best that we can do to get her to uh, think less, uh, use those instincts more, her effort's just going to really continue to get better and better. Would you say she's the most improved on the team to this point? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that yet. I, I, no, I wouldn't say that yet. I, I, I wouldn't. Um, I think that there's, um, no, I think honestly she's probably um, disappointed coming off the freshman year from where she got to. You know, there was expectations. But the new offense, I think, got her, like I said, thinking too much. Mm-hmm. And it took her longer to adjust to that. Um, she's a great person great young lady that that like i said tends to analyze things and and as we know on the court that's a hard way to play so hopefully we've unlocked some of that and uh uh, hopefully i can answer that question at the end of the year and say uh, yes she is our most improved has it surprised you how well she's played here now that she's been thrown in with a lot more minutes in the past two games I, I, surprised would not be the word I, I, I'd use because we saw glimpses of it last year. We saw more than glimpses of it last year. You know, you talk about the Big 12 tournament, um, played fantastic against Texas, uh, played other games where we saw that. We started to see her practices improve about two weeks ago. That, to me, is always the key for seeing success in a game, right? You want to see some success in practice, and we started to see that. And um, at the time, there still wasn't the minutes necessarily. You know, there still wasn't a ton of minutes available. But uh, now there's that opportunity, and that door is open, and uh, she's ran right through it. As last year's experience of not having Yoki but having all all these – veteran players do wonders to be prepared for these last two games without Aokali? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, I, I, while you don't want that, you also want it to have a purpose behind it. And we knew that last year when we said, you know, if we, uh, if and when we get Lee back, you know, we, we need to have benefited from, you know, that. And I think uh, 
you know, as we talked about over the summer, you know, players like uh, Jalen Glenn, Briley, Serena Sundell, Gabby Gregory had to, one, expand their games, to be responsible for a lot, a lot of big plays at the end of games. Um, uh, that could be a real benefit coming into this year, and uh, it certainly has uh, played that way. Going back to Eliza, does she have a green light to shoot threes? What were you thinking when she put that one up in the corner? Uh, I was trying to call a timeout. I only got one timeout. out. I, I was shocked she shot it. Um, she does not have the green light. Um, <laughs> uh, um, the team was shocked she shot it. There's a great shot of Jamia on the bench with her mouth wide open. Um, I think my response was very similar. Yeah, I don't know what to. I I I, I was surprised because she has had great discipline with not, and um, yeah, it's one of those things where she was obviously feeling it and uh, she um, um, decided to uh, knock it down. You know, with 7:21 in the game, what are we down one or two, something like that at the time. Um, it's not late in the game, but it's um, it was a surprising shot to say the least. Got BYU, new team in the conference. Just uh, what's your preparation been? What's your familiarity with them? I don't have any familiarity with them. You know, we haven't had many practices about us, so today was about us, and uh, we needed to, we need to have a couple practices about us. We've got some slippage that has gone on in our uh, offense and our defense, and. Um, uh, so we, we really um, need to have that practice about us. So in terms of them, I got a good look at them uh, last the last couple days myself. Um, I like what they're doing. They're, they're, they run their offense very crisp. Um, defensively, they are very sound. I think that uh, they got a really good win over Texas Tech and holding them to 46 points. So um, I think it's a really, uh, uh, I don't want to say what you see is what you get, but they know who they are. They seem to run their stuff really well. And um, I think it'll be a much different challenge than we had on Monday night because um, their three-point shooting has been pretty good. And uh, once again, this league continues to challenge your preparation because there's so many different styles and uh, there'll be a different style than we faced. I know this is a super silly thing to bring up with you, uh, but now number two in the coaches' poll. When you start the question like that, you realize that I already have it. (laughs) Go ahead. That's to get you relaxed uh, uh-huh. as, I, as I really get into the real hard-hitting question here. If players look at a pool and see now they're number two, you, you maybe start thinking ceiling and like, well, you can only go one spot further. Do you start to settle? I guess what the, does the message now become, hey, we're number two, but the ceiling is still wide open? Well, I, I just told them I think that I don't know where our ceiling is. Um, but rankings don't have anything to do with the ceiling. That's somebody else's opinion that isn't in practice every day. So I know what your point is, is but the rankings, I always joke with the team, I, I think the rankings are for entertainment purposes only. They're for the fans. Uh, you can read your horoscope, and it has about sometimes as much validity behind it. Sorry to you horoscope readers that, <laughs> that, that, that take that seriously. Um, but I knew we had a good team back in June and July. I said this a couple different times that I didn't need other people's validation. Do I think it's cool that our players are being recognized? I do. I think it's awesome that their hard work is being recognized. But 
Uh, I hope they keep it in perspective, and I think they will. I think they understand that they need to block out uh, the noise, both good, bad. Um, I told them about a week ago, we need to block out the sympathy noise and that, you know, everybody on campus is going to go, oh, man, you lost Lee, you, you know. need to block that noise out as well. Nobody needs to feel sorry for us. We're not owed anything. You get practice. You got practice today. Um, can be disappointed for Yoki. But uh, we've got a job to do and uh, proud of him for uh, uh, improving the last week. His team will tip off at 4 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. That means that we'll have coverage at 3.30 on News Radio KMAN and on Sunny 102.5 on Saturday as the Cats match up with BYU at Bramlage. Big ball game. The next big game, if you will, on the list, on the schedule. And it comes at a nice time in that that Monday night game was tight in terms of the schedule. Now you've got a week in here where they've had a chance to breathe a little bit before playing again on Saturday. And I like that they were, they were like, we're going to take some time and practice and focus on us instead of an opponent. I think that's great. Always really good. good. Always good to get that in the middle of a season as well. Back to kind of scouting yourself a bit Absolutely. when you get the chance. We continue on the game with news about an old friend Today in the NFL, the details upcoming on the game. Someone just sent out the graphic calling for a 30 for 30 on the 2013 Washington Redskins. You'll understand why when I tell you the contents of this graphic. I know part of it, but fill me in. Go right ahead. Let's Uh, see what you know of this. So, I mean, it's well, that's the year that Shanahan, McVeigh, LaFleur, and I'm assuming somebody, maybe Raheem Morris, somebody that got hired today is in there as well. Let's add Mike McDaniel to that mix. Oh, yeah, I knew I forgot somebody. And you are right. The former Ron Prince assistant. At K State, <laughs> Raheem Morris got the Falcons' job today. That's still a shocker to me. The the supposed Bill Belichick job no goes to Raheem Morris. Wow! <laughs> I read that they it's Rich, uh, Rick, uh, Rich or Rick McKay is the is the GM there. And, yeah, Richie McKay. Yeah, and he was like. No. <laughs> no, there, there's no way he was going to get along yeah. with Belichick. That that yeah. was uh, – that, yeah. The 2013 Washington Redskins went 3-13 and 13 with one of the worst ever special teams groups. They had Kirk Cousins at quarterback and RG3 as a backup because he was That's still post, fighting his knee. Post-injury, yeah. That's that was a spicy meatball back then. They man. went from ten and six to three and thirteen, and that was Shanahan's last year. With with what five NFL future with, NFL head coaches on the staff, That's and insane. one who's still an assistant in Bobby Slowick. He'll he'll be a head coach very soon. What was he thirteen when he had that job? Good, the guy's like thirty six years old. You think that? 
I mean, you want to see what the photo of Sean McVay looks like? <laughs> I was like, McDaniel was only like 24, 25. Right, I think exactly. Kyle Shanahan was the OC. Sean McVay was tight ends. McDaniel was wideouts. LaFleur was quarterbacks. Slowick was on the defensive staff. And Raheem Morris was your defensive backs coach. Well, I don't and know. And they went 3-13. and 13. I don't know who the defensive line and the linebackers coach are, but expect a call here in the next couple of seasons, buddy. You might <laughs> yeah. get the job. What a staff. That's, That's a insane. staff. That is unreal. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely insane. That is nuts that they went 3-13, and 13 and Mike Shanahan's never had a job again. Yep. That is actually insane. You know, I it, it doesn't surprise me, though, the the toxic – nuclear heat coming off of that franchise. That's a valid point. At that time, especially with the whole Kirk Cousins RG3 situation and the front office and ownership. I was like, you're not even getting into Dan Snyder at that point. That thing. Cheerleaders. Calendars. Just. Emails. I mean, from the top down. Poorly mismanaged and weird and gross. No, and you do have to remember, this was a franchise that couldn't even correctly manage having Joe Gibbs' second term go well. Right. I mean, a guy, yeah. Uh, Oh, boy. You think... Dan Snyder, what a piece of work. You think that's the spot for Belichick? You think that he's going to end up in Washington? No way. No way. I mean, the ultimate joke would be Seattle. I mean, like... It would. I would say no way to like uh, Michigan. I would go. No way would he end it. But like another pro gig. Well, that team, they have new ownership, and they need a steady hand. And, and when you look at it, honestly, it's. I know that because we laughed about it before we got on the air. We're like, there's no way he goes. But Dan Snyder's not there. You have new ownership. Sam Howell looks solid. You have the number two overall pick. You have Terry McLaurin. You have there are some guys there. Now I don't know what they do at the quarterback spot, but if they keep Sam Howell, you have Terry McLaurin. You draft Marvin Harrison at two, and then you're just like, oh, all right. Well, <laughs> here's here's key number one to that though. There's a GM in place. Yeah, it's true. There is a GM in place, so Belichick would not be his own general manager. They hired somebody. They did, they and so. Did. They, they've got a way of blocking that conversation, which they need. Any team needs to do that. I'd, unfortunately, Bill is just too past it to be both at this point, and th- that's okay. Go be the greatest head coach in football history. Don't. It, it, it's an amazing argument that has been going on for better than thirty years. Coaches trying to be GMs as well. Mm-hmm. It works sometimes, and then sometimes, rarely. Sometimes Bill O'Brien happens. You're yeah. like, well, oh. never mind. <laughs> The ultimate joke would be Seattle to me. I agree. Following Pete Carroll again for the what the third time? Yes, that's that would be funny. (laughs) Would be funny. They're gonna call Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick retires. Oh, you know, so yes, Raheem Morris lands the job as the Atlanta Falcons head coach. Ironically, he was the interim coach when they fired Dan Quinn before hiring Arthur Smith. Mm Mm-hmm. What a – anyway. In other words, oh, I guess we could have done this. Yeah. Good job. Brilliant. That's the what the I think that's the third time in recent memory that I could think where a team has had an interim coach and they just went and hired somebody else where I'm like, what are we doing? Because yeah. I think the Raiders did it – well, I guess they didn't do it the second time. They hired Antonio Pierce 
They did it the first time. They mm-hmm. fired Gruden. Like, I never remember who took over for Gruden. Rich Biatch guy. Yeah, yeah, Rich yeah. Biatchi. I yeah. thought he did a great job. And they were like, you know what? Josh McDaniels. Yeah, that Ugh. went well. That Ugh. went Josh McDaniels. That's that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, Gotta love it. Josh is sitting here praying that Bill gets a job so he can have a job. Ah, valid point. Like, how Matt am I going to get Trisha too? He's like, please. Please, please I need please, a job, please, Bill. Please, 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 please. Yeah. Good Oof. Lord. All right. Ask us anything when we continue in a moment on the game. Yesterday, I was unceremoniously banned from loading the dishwasher at my house. What? Yeah, I was told uh, my work was under uh, underwhelming and it looked terrible and was stupid. Uh, I'm afraid to ask what your organizational skills were like. I've heard well, of being banned from unloading. I don't know about loading. Though. Oh, That's yeah. Loading one. up is... Uh, here's the deal, folks. I like it that way. I want to know, is there yeah. something at your house that you're not allowed to do because you don't do it so great? Or are you the person who's delegating the suspensions? Dave's like, finally, my plan worked. Uh-huh. No more loading the dishwasher. <laughs> this guy. Yeah, no more loading the dishwasher. Perfect until she asks you to run the water for the sink. (laughs) No, I gotta mess that up somehow. Water all over the place. Just unscrew the drain. (laughs) It's leaking. I don't know what's going on. Uh, No, but that's because we've got, you know, I need to be better. I will fully admit need to be better at taking care of some of the things around El Apartmento. <laughs> but that's, you know, I mean, in our case, it's 50-50, so sure. we, we don't have the reasoning. Right, right. I got on. you one. Uh, well, I don't know. She hasn't banned me from it yet, but I feel it coming is the uh, picking up all my son's toys. You know, they go in the certain bins and everything. Dude, like, I'm just trying to get them off the floor, man. I'm just, just put them in the box. I'm just getting them off the floor. It's better than nothing. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you there, brother. Oh. Uh, we've got a shortened edition tomorrow afternoon again as Mitch will be in McPherson for coverage of Manhattan High Girls Basketball. For DG, for Owen, I'm TC. See ya!